You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Okay, take your Bibles. We take a prayer. It was going to be part of the exhortation, but um, let's pray before we go on. Psalm 31 from verse 14, I'll read. And then we'll take some prayers before we sit down. Psalm 31, 14, it says, But as for me, somebody say, but as for me. You see, you can't speak for your neighbor. But as for me, it says, I trust in you. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. You know, th this, this thing came strongly to me while we are worshipping yesterday. And we are singing that song, Ibuchuku Onyedima, you know. And it says, the, the part that says, Ibuchim, the Spirit of the Lord said, this is a choice you have to make yourself. You see, many things can be transferred, but Godhood or Godness cannot be transferred. Everybody who chooses is God is. Praise the Lord. Everybody will make that decision. And here the psalmist is saying, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. That Lord there is Jehovah. Now, it is not every Israelite that made Jehovah his God. There are some that made Mammon their God. There are some that followed the Baals. There are some that followed Astera. There are some that followed... But the psalmist is saying, but as for who? As for me. As for me, I trust in you, O Lord. And he says what? He said, I say, you are my God. Hallelujah. Let's make that declaration. I want you to pray it into the spirit for yourself. As for me, as for me. Joshua went a step and said, as for me and my house. Lord, we are declaring today, individual, with individual sense, sense of responsibility. That you are my God. <laughs> you are my God. You are my God. You are my God. As for me, as for me, you I say Jehovah, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal King, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the maker of all things, the one who is wise. You are my God. You are my God, being awake and aware, having considered all, I decide today and I proclaim that you are my God. You are my God. You are my God. You are my family's God. You are the God of those people gathered here. You are my God and you are our God. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. 15 says, my times are in your hand. You see, when you choose your God, you lose the liberty to make the rest of the choices. Are you getting it now? That's why the choice of your God cannot be compelled on you. You have to choose your God. But once you make that choice, the fact that he's God means he runs your life. 
but you can reject him as your God. But when you choose him, then what it means is that you surrender. Are you with me? So he went on and says, you are my God. So then what happens? My times are in your hands. Not in the hands of another. Not even in my hands. Let's go ahead and say, Lord, my times are in your... They're not in the enemy's hands. They're not in the hands of circumstances. They're not in the hands of the environment. My time, because you are my God, my time is with you. My lifting is with you. My shifting is with you. My establishment is with you. The psalmist went forward and said, You are the glory and the lifter of my head. Oh Lord, you are my portion. Because you are my God, my portion is allocated from you. The psalmist said, Because of you, I have a goodly heritage. You determine my outcome. You are my God. I have chosen you as my God. And I say, My times, my seasons, are in your hands they are not in the hands of anyone i know whom i worship i know whom i believe and he's the controller the songwriter called him the controller of my days holding the balance of my days. he determines my uprising and my down sitting he knows the way that i take he apportions every bit of it my times are in your hands because you are my god in the name of jesus he went forward and said deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me the psalmist says there are many who rise up against me <laughs> hallelujah but you see it's only natural because when god's hand is upon you he's taking you somewhere praise the lord and when he's taking you somewhere there'll be people who don't want you to arrive at the destination last wednesday remember we prayed you know it's interesting last week was um msg conference and we're all excited and the spirit of the lord reminded us that when the word comes the enemy will come to steal it isn't it what he said praise the lord he'll come to steal it so the psalmist here went on and said deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who do what persecute me he says make your face shine upon your servant save me for your mercy's sake we're going to take this to our spread because you see when when the enemy comes against us left to us and the enemy he will destroy us but because god is our god that's why the songwriter says oh lord you are my god god is my god you see i've not made a tree my god if a tree were my god someone stronger than a tree can destroy me praise the lord tonight we're saying lord you are our god hallelujah and because you are our god even though our enemies are stronger than us they can't touch us because you are our shield. You are our keeper. You are the glory, the lifter of our head. Let's go ahead. Cause your face to shine upon us. You are God. You are God. Make nonsense of every desire. Make nonsense of every imagination of the enemy. Let them walk for us. Let them sweep for us. Let them do advertisement for us. Let them do promo for us. All the rumors that in let it be for the advancement of your king let it be free publicity because you are our god you are mighty mighty to save mighty to deliver 
Ah, the apostle Paul says, these things they meant it forever. But he has turned around for the fordrance of the gospel. Because you are our God. Deliver us from the desire and the wish of our enemies. Keep us steps ahead. Keep us miles ahead. For your mercy's sake, let your face shine upon your sons, upon your daughters. In the name of Jesus. He says, do not let me be ashamed. Oh Lord. Why? For I have called upon you. He says, shame should be the portion of the wicked. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. 18 goes on to say, let the lying lips be put to silence. You know, there are many lies going around now. Hallelujah. And what do they do? They speak insolent things. Proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. We're going to pray. Lord, you are our God. Let it be the wicked that will end up with the last shame. Praise the Lord. Let, okay, maybe when I, I get to that point, we'll understand it. Because... There's, there's a shame for a season. Okay? But let the wicked end up with the shame. <laughs> Praise God. I read somewhere some time ago. And somebody said the importance of last. He says what is last is last. In the sense that. <laughs> hallelujah. That is final. You understand? For a season, Joseph was ashamed. He was running naked. Praise God. And for a season, while he was in the prison, they would laugh at his nakedness, laugh at him being in prison. But the same Joseph, not many years thereafter, was clothed in Pharaoh's robe and was riding in Pharaoh's chariot. And there were Egyptians going ahead, telling everybody, including Potiphar and his wife and his fellow servant, bow before Joseph. Which one do you prefer? The last, Abby. The honor at last. The glory at last. The vindication at last. There are moments when the righteous must endure shame. You see, you can't avoid it. It's scripture. The Bible says through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, what should we do? We have hope. There are moments where our Lord Jesus hung on the cross naked. And people said, Habba, if you are the son of God, come down. Are you not the son of God? And many would have concluded that he's not the son of God. We thought he was. We really thought he was. And he hung there looking helpless. But three days later. Three days later. The same Jesus, the Bible says, was raised up. And given the name that is above every other name. That at the mention of his name, what will happen? Every knee should bow. Of things in heaven, of things on earth. There is a moment of shame. Go and read your Bible. Everyone God used. Moses went from princehood to fugitive. Hallelujah. It was shameful. Anyway, let's, let's continue our prayers. We'll get to that as the Lord permits us. So it says, do not let me be ashamed permanently. Because I don't like us praying the prayers that God wants. There are moments where, do you know for you to say no to evil? You will look foolish sometimes. You look on smart for you to be a lady carry yourself the young man will look at you i want to better your life look at you see how you're trekking i want you know you you look the, the ones that are disobeying god will appear smart praise the lord but the bible says looking unto jesus 
the author and the finisher who for the joy that was set before him what did he do he endured the cross and despised he took shame and licked it like ice cream because he knew that something was coming praise the lord so he said let it be the wicked that will have everlasting shame that's what the bible is saying here let lying lips be put to silence we speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Let's lift up our voices. Every lie being told against the people of God. Let's condemn it. Let's condemn it. The Bible says every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we shall condemn. Let lying lips, Lord, we put a stop. Let lying lips be put to silence. Let those that are speaking insolent things, proud things against the righteous, that are speaking contempt against the righteous, Lord, shut them down. Let them be put to silence. in the name of jesus Amen. let me also explain this i learned it i was listening to a man of god and he was teaching i almost was beginning to disagree with him you know i don't like all those enemies enemies prayer so he said when i say you will have vengeance on your enemies don't live here and go and want to do them evil he made a point that you know was so strong he said the greatest vengeance against your enemies is success he said when god lifts you up you see, when someone is lying against you and God lifts you, look, you can imagine Joseph. When Pharaoh started parading him, what do you think they would have been saying? I understand. So when we're saying, let lying lips be put to silence, we're not saying let them, let any bad thing happen to them. We're just saying, let them see better. Let them see the glory of the Lord. Let them see the favor of the Lord. Let them see the approval of the Lord. Let them see the blessing of the Lord upon our lives. Begin to pray that prayer. Lord, in your own way, put lying lips to silence. Let them come to know that you have approved these people, that you are with these people, that you are their God. Let them come to know that these things they've done it according to your word. Elijah said, Let it be known that I've done all these things according to your word. There are people here that families have said things against you. Friends have said things against you. They've said it and it looks so true. Lord, tonight we are praying. Let them be put to silence. By your work, make manifest your work. In the lives of your sons. In the lives of your daughters. These ones that have kept themselves. That have walked in the narrow path. That have walked in obedience. That have walked in honor. That have walked in the fear of you. Lord, we are praying. By your act, oh Lord, put the lying lips to silence. Those that have spoken insolent things, that have made oaths, that have spoken contempt against your name and against your children. Oh Lord, lift up your people. Establish your people. Let your glory rise upon your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. 19 says, oh how great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men 
he said you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues we're going to take that prayer but before we take that prayer let me show you something from verse 19 he says your goodness what did you do with it you laid it up that's reserved sometimes it's as though the goodness is not there but it's reserved are you with me look at the next thing he said which you are prepared it is reserved hallelujah he says you hide these people in the secret place you keep them for a time of manifestation let's lift up our voices and say to the lord lord we thank you for great is your goodness i may not be seeing it now but i testify and i bear witness that great is your goodness he says how marvelous are your thoughts towards me he said great is the sum of them he says when they're put together the thoughts of the lord the thoughts of the lord the plans of the lord he says i know i know i know i know i know i know the thoughts i know the plans i'm a good god i'm a good god i'm a good god and tonight i say you are good great is your goodness great is your loving kindness great is your love towards me towards your people as many as do fear you you are a good god you are a reward of those who diligently seek you you are a reward of those who trust in you you are our god we worship you 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 great is your goodness you have marvelous things laid up for us you have wonderful things prepared for your children we worship you receive our praise receive our praise in the name of jesus christ let's just declare out the remaining ones to 24 so we can move forward 21 says what blessed be the lord for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city for i said in my haste i'm caught up from before your eyes nevertheless you heard the voice of my supplications when i cried out to you oh love the lord all you his saints for the lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person be of good courage and it shall strengthen your heart all you who hope in the lord and we say and we say amen amen god bless you take your seats hallelujah lord you are my god you are my god you are my god okay quickly from last sunday it was an awesome time in god's presence hallelujah glory to god praise the lord the weapons of our warfare are not carnal they are mighty through god everything we are doing is through god praise the lord so what is not with God and for God is irrelevant. Hallelujah. So we learn that what we do to darkness is increase the intensity of light. And darkness knows to do what? To disappear. Praise the Lord. So we don't go study witches. We don't go study what the enemy is doing. We make sure we are living a life well, pleasing to God. And God knows how to handle all those who rise up against us praise the lord says the father loves the son and the son loves the father and their relationship is unbroken because there is perfect love hallelujah 
And then we were enjoying that. We also, Jesus says, if you love me, what should you do? He made a statement. He said he used to pray, Father, I love you, I love you. Jesus, I love you, I love you. But he realized that that's not an ex really the best expression of love. Okay? I mean, there's nothing wrong with praying it and singing it and all of that. But he said, Jesus has said, if you love me, what should you do? Keep my commandments. So he realized that it's continually doing those things that Jesus has said to do. That is what is loving him. And as we do that, we keep our connection, you know, effective. Praise God. Thank you. And it says, this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do. And the glory of the Lord to do what? will appear to you. So we now know the steps to take. One of the first things I learned, or I say, is it people call it revelation as a Christian, is a scripture that says, having a readiness. But that was my first sermon. Having a readiness to avenge every disobedience. When your own obedience is complete. It's very simple. If you want to command in the name of Jesus, then that name of Jesus must be able to command you. If not, if you joke with it, then whoever you're commanding will also joke with it. So we'll receive grace. Amen. So key things from Sunday is that he made a statement at the beginning that we should contend for this faith, the genuine faith, praise God, that Jude was writing to us. That what we have, and I'm glad like, you know, from all that we've said, we understood what he was teaching. Because sometimes you can come to church and you feel good living, but you don't know what to do. Praise the Lord. You're excited, you're elated, you know, but then you don't have direction. Praise God. But I think anybody who came to church on Sunday, even if you didn't live excited, you will have instruction. Hallelujah. And instruction is more important than excitement because you can lose excitement, but you can't lose instruction. In fact, when you get instruction and you're not excited, it's okay. When the moment comes, you know what to do. After you have tried five times, when you really want to move as a Christian, you know when to get up and do what you should do. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I think it was clear Sunday, and he made a point that it's not everybody that comes to church that is really taking this Christian thing seriously. It's important that settles in because it's so easy to tick yourself off. You've come to church, so you're a Christian. Or maybe five years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, you gave your life to Christ, so you're a Christian. Yes, you did that, but uh, the Christian life is not a degree that is attained. It's a life that is lived every day. Praise the Lord. It's something that you keep moving on every second. You're growing. He made the point that we are increasing in the knowledge of God. We are growing in holiness, in purity, and all of that, little by little, every day. Praise God. So he made that statement and he said that you, you can get it right. It's not something that is high up, like the scripture says. Do not say who ascend to the heavens and bring down Christ. No, it says the word is where it's near you, it's in your heart and it's in your mouth. So these are things that you can do. And I like the way it was broken down for us, you know, from the Leviticus 9, where it says the first step is what? Sin offering, repentance. And, you know, I think what has happened is this. The advantage that we should be enjoying from the New Testament over the Old, we are denying it. Remember, you can't, you can't feign a sin offering. You see, you have to bring a goat. You can't tell the priest, see goat by faith, I brought goat by faith. 
and then the priest will kill a goat for you by faith. Is it possible? Uh -huh. You see, you can't feign it. So when the man in the Old Testament, under the Old uh, Covenant, took a goat to the priest and said, I'm bringing this goat because I did so, so wrong. He knows that if he does so, so wrong again, he's another goat. And this goat is bringing, praise the Lord, there is no secret highway. So when he's coming, I say, oh boy, ah. <laughs> no, only you. Praise the Lord. But you see, under our own dispensation, you just, you say, let's go before the Lord repent. And you continue. Okay? So that repentance was something that, that was, you know, touchable, verifiable, confirmable. And he went on seeable. And he went on to say, yes, and in our own time, don't tell me God knows your heart. God knows your heart, but I also need to see. Praise the Lord. When you change, there should be testimony with those who know you, those who deal with you, that you have changed. Until that is done, you have not brought a goat. Because when you bring that goat, if anybody goes to ask the priest, he'll say you have repented. They say, what are they accusing you of? They say, they said he has brought his goat. Now, who can testify to your own goat in this New Testament? Do you understand? Uh, if it's your, if it's the people that come to your office and like that said you used to collect 10% uh, from them, they should be able to testify that you have brought your own goat. So our own goat now is varied. We are liberty to present that goat anywhere. It could be your colleagues, it could be your neighbors, it could be your wife, it could be your, you know, your nannies, it could be your staff, it could be your employers. But that goat has to be verifiable. Hallelujah. He said that's the first step. And, and you know why it's important? You see, I don't know about you, but I want to know if I'm serious. I don't want to be just, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? You, you want to do this thing. You don't want sometime later, you realize you wasted your time. Nobody should play that kind of joke. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a light thing we are dealing with here. So in the old covenant, they actually took a goat. How many of us here have killed a goat before? You mean just three, four? I don't mean you've been where they killed goat to. Eh? Actually caught the neck. Okay, even if it's been where they've... You see, blood. Do you understand? You see the goat is... Eh, eh, you, you, don't, you don't joke with it. Do you understand? Even if it's goats that you're killing, you can feel that life is going. And that is actually in your memory. Do you understand? Now, do you know that the new covenant? Ours is even more serious. You know why? Because when we sin, it's not goods that is killed for us again. It's Jesus Christ bleeding on the cross. So every time I repent, you know what I do? For my repentance to be effective, my sin has to be put on Jesus. So when I go to God and say, Lord, please forgive me, I did this. For God to forgive me and be righteous, he doesn't forgive us with power. He forgives us with justice. What it means is that my sin has to be paid for. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And for the payment of that sin, somebody has to bear the weight. And you know who bears the weight? It is Jesus. So if you can imagine looking at the life of the goat going, and how goring it sounds, and how terrible, you know, how touching it, it might look. Imagine Jesus on the cross. And every day you're going back to the cross. Kabuai. You say, I repent. You go. You come back. The same thing again. You hit him with it. We overcome in Jesus' name. 
Okay, so the second one he referred to was the burnt offering. Now, the burnt offering is also called the whole offering. The, the thing about the burnt offering is that, unlike the other ones, I think the priest used to get some things. And, you know, it, in this burnt offering, the whole animal was consumed with the fire. It meant that at the end of the sacrifice, nothing remained. Everything had gone up in smoke. Now, what that is for you and I is Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you do what? A living sacrifice. Holy acceptable. Let's just stop at living sacrifice. Now, it means now that the same way when the goat or the ram was taken to the priest for the sin offering or the other offerings, I don't have all the details, the priest probably will go home with a lap. And possibly, you know, some people might eat from it, or you might even have some part to go with. Under this whole burnt offering, nobody went with anything. Everything, the moment it was put on the altar, fire had to eat up everything. Now, the same way it is now, for you and I, when we become Christians and we present our bodies, living sacrifice, you know what? It means that everything that proceeds out of our life is to go to him. Do you understand? I have no say in the matter. I'm a sacrifice. Instead of smoke coming out of me because I'm burnt, I still live, but I no longer live for myself. So God can look at you. That's why God can allow James to behead him. No question. He didn't explain to them. Did he say anybody right why James was beheaded and Peter was kept? You know why? James, living sacrifice. Peter, living sacrifice. They all belong to him. He could choose what to do with all because they all were his. The pleasure was for him. They had settled it. We surrender our lives. We give our lives to him. Now, what that means is this. The living sacrifice may not, most times, not, doesn't even die because that's why you're living. But you know what? Every day, they have to present to you choices and you will choose like you died. Are you getting it now? They know now, they know that, um, Mira, you, you like Coke a lot. <laughs> so, as a living sacrifice, they will put Coke before you and they put lemon water. Now, lemon water is what God wants you to drink. Do you understand? But Mira likes to drink Coke. But because you're no longer Mira, you're a living one. So, you look at the Coke and, the, eh, and you go to the lemon water and drink it and be saying, Hallelujah. In fact, so someone has said, and I agree, he said it's better to be a dead sacrifice. It's easier. It's once. Because this, this, this living sacrifice, the apostle Paul says, every day I have to die. I, I want to finish this now when they say you won't die. Haven't you wondered why the government will catch armed robbers and treat them? You've not thought about them. They want to punish them well. They, will know, they know it's easy. And they keep them from being able to kill themselves. They want to take their time. Do you understand? They treat them well. And then they try them and say, you should have allowed the man to die and save medical costs. A living sacrifice. Your choices, you become a vessel through which God writes out and, you know, expands his own will. So the dead sacrifice is dead body. But the living sacrifice is dead in the will. That's more difficult. That's where the problem is. Dead in the will. That's why Lord Jesus Christ cried, said, Lord, please, this thing is not easy. But he says, not my will. He can imagine what will make the master himself to pray that kind of prayer. 
And that's where we're called to. And you know what? That's the toughest of the battle because the, the sin one is a challenge. But as the Spirit of God grows in you and I, it becomes easy. Praise the Lord. How many of us as Christians have experienced a detesting of things we formerly loved? Is the Spirit of God growing in you? And that makes sin, no, you see, it's no longer an issue to you. Do you understand? You just over. But the one of will, that one you will fight with it until your last day. That's why Paul will be saying, he say, I, I'm boasting, I shouldn't boast though. Because the will of man is the only thing in you that makes you in the nature of God. And God can never kill it completely. Every day you must by your own self be putting that will down. So the trial of the will of this consecration sacrifice is that you will be passing through experiences that will make you look at A, B, C, D. And contrary to how you feel, you will have to choose God's will. That's why the Bible can put statements like, in all things, give thanks. For this is what? The will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Haba, you should tell me more. He said that is his will. Finish. He didn't say in all things, I will make sense. Are you with me? He says in all things. If there's a soldier here, a military man here, he will understand a bit of it. Because in the military, you're trained not to think. You're trained to just take orders. You just take the others. I mean, you don't think. The commander has thought and has spoken to you. So you just carry out the orders. And refusal to carry out orders in the military is mutiny. The punishable by death. So it's like, if you want to leave, do the will of the commander. Now, the living sacrifice, you and I will be in situations where it will just be clear that, hey, if I were left to myself, this is what I'll do. But you're not left to yourself. That's the difficult part. And it will grow in levels. It will grow from things that are very apparent to things that are very just tiny. Things like, should I speak or not speak? How many have been having that struggle? You're in a situation and you know the Spirit of God says don't speak. But you have something to speak and it's not wrong. It's not even a lie. It's even scripture. Praise the Lord. But the one who has you as his living sacrifice, say, keep quiet. But if you keep quiet, that's where I was going. If you keep quiet, it will look as if you don't know what to say. People think I'm a fool. Uh -huh. You've started maturing now. Because you see, there has to be a season where you have to be a fool. Are you with me? Hey, there has to be a season now. We have a sister who is, um, who is undergoing a training for one of the um, organizations in Nigeria. The, the training is for one year. And for the whole one year, she can't contact anybody. And we can't contact her. Okay? Now, there are different organizations, different things. What they do that is to break your attachment. Break your dependence, your value for any other relationship. So your loyalty is to him and to him alone. So seasons will come where God will apparently allow you. Look at Abraham. At a time, God came to Abraham. He had not given him the son. He said, Abraham. Abraham said, yes, Lord. He said, from today, your name shall no longer be called Abraham. Go and tell everybody your name is Abraham. Now, imagine Abraham means father of nations. And this man has no child. And God announces to him, go to your neighborhood and tell them, I've taken a new title. Eh? The father of many children. As he says it, and he passes, they're just beholding your mouth. Like Do you understand? As he says, but, but you see, God needs to take him through that. So he becomes totally disconnected to the praises, the applause. The, you see, the, you don't know the liberty you have when you can live life only to the audience of one. That's power. And God will take you through shame to come to that. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? Where you don't have to explain anything to anyone. You just know there's a quiet communion between you and God. You know that as you're standing, God alone knows what is going on. And he says, don't even explain. Sometimes, even if you explain, nobody will believe you. Only time will unfold it. So it's that process of consecration. At that point, God knows. Let me ask you a question. Have you wondered why our political leaders always choose people, certain kinds of people, to replace them? Not the best, most times. You know the people they choose? They choose people they have a hold on. They choose people that have to depend on them. That the day they annoy them, they will expose something. God wants to bring you to where, <laughs> even if you run to your so-called friends, they'll reject you. Are you getting what I'm saying? He, he wants to win you of all of that. That's consecration. When you get to that point, he knows now that he is yours and you are his. It's a place he wants every one of us to come to. Praise the Lord. Where he just knows that this one finds joy and delight and fulfillment. I'm his only fan. Where you have gone through experiences, where you know that God is everything. Not English, by experience. That's the consecration. You have been burned completely and your smoke has risen to him. You have gone from the physical state, you're just smoke for God. He has inhaled the sacrifice. And then the next one we learned was the one of the peace offering. And where our dad taught us, he says, doing everything as unto the Lord. The way I want to do this, I will pray quickly because our time is going. I don't know where, when it was, but the Spirit of the Lord dropped something in my head. It says, trust and obey. I think it was Sunday when that was teaching. He said, this Christianity is simple. Trust and obey. You see all this one I'm saying even. Even if you don't hear them. I've said it before. How did Daniel, taken into captive as a teenager, how will he and how were they able to sustain their faith in Babylon? How did Joseph sold into slavery? By his brother what revelation which kingdom keys was they attending do you know what they had and what you and i need my god i will trust him and i will obey him that's all you know why you see the word trust it carries everything we're saying now when you trust someone you don't have to understand him let me give you an example of trust how many have flown in the plane before you've flown from here to lagos do you know the way from here to Lagos by air? And when you enter, you start sleeping. <laughs> you know why? You trust that system. The child of God must have to come to the place where you trust God. And you know, if you really wanted to follow the path of the aircraft, many, sometimes when they take off, they go the opposite way first. So if you followed it, you start screaming. If you prepare before you enter and say, this is the way, maybe you had a compass. Inside your, this thing that you are checking. If you get up, you see going towards Cardinal. You have to say, by Lord, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> You're going to Cardinal. But you trust him that he can go that way and still do what? That's what you owe your God. That's what your God expects of you, to trust him. He says his ways are unsearchable. He says his judgments are past finding out. But many times we want God to give us ABCD breakdown. Dr. Law, you're an engineer. When you get a welder, do you, does he know the degree and everything that your weight calculation for what is welding? You give him simple instruction. The man will be going beyond his pay grade if he tries to take the whole drawing from you. And so, engineer, give me the full drawing before I know what to do. In fact, once he sees the full drawing, he won't even know what to do again. 
he'll become confused it's the same thing with god people of god we are called to do what trust and obey trust him and obey and that's how come we can give him worship at any point in time and in every situation why because there'll be situations where we won't understand there'll be circumstances you can't explain there'll be circumstances that will confound you you think he should have been going this way then he's going that way okay let's look at joseph joseph gets into potiphar's house and by the grace of god becomes the number one houseboy what do you think he'll be expecting ah, freedom at a point freedom you know they do a ceremony and just or just make him you know master just he wouldn't expect when the potiphar's wife thing was happening joseph must have been saying i'm dreaming i'm dreaming you know this must be a joke i'm dreaming then he would have now said okay i'm sure when potiphar comes back when potiphar comes back ah he will know that this is joseph he will know that when he left gold i didn't steal it when he did this i didn't steal it so he will know my innocence so when the husband came and was throwing him in prison he'll be wondering god my joke you did if this is a joke better stop it but he found himself in prison do you understand do you know what it took for him to enter that prison unjustly and still be good no revelation could have helped him trust and obey and quickly i try to round up so that we can pray one or two more prayers quickly let me show you a scripture hebrews 12 we referred to it earlier on hebrews 12 from verse 1 it says therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and i sat down at the right hand of the throne of god three and four now it says for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls verse 4 says you have not yet what resisted to bloodshed striving what is the point here the spirit of law was saying the christian that just makes up his mind no matter what i don't know book i don't know left i don't know right i will not disobey god i will not sin against god you know what you have done you have bought a direct ticket to glory because no matter the temptation they bring to you they can't catch you let me go back to genesis in genesis chapter 2 the bible says and the lord planted a garden eastward in eden and put there trees beautiful trees food for trees that are good for food you know gold was there and all of that and he said to man out of every tree of this garden you may what freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which is in the midst of the garden, the day you eat of it you will die don't eat it okay when the serpent came in genesis 3 verse 1 and met eve and said to eve what did god even say praise god Eve started saying this is what god said you know he said um we shouldn't even touch it those are basic there is not even and then the serpent said to him he said ah no now god said that but this is the real deal praise god he knows that if you eat it what will happen you will be like god your eyes will open now you see eve thought about it and the bible says she saw that the tree was what good for food pleasant in the eyes and the tree what it meant what the serpent said made sense when you're trusting and obeying you don't make sense you make obedience christian are you hearing me when you're trusting and obeying you're not making sense you're just obeying you have said to date some people that 
are not thinking again. The instruction they gave them. And you want to break their head and open. They, they say, you know, go past Oga. He said, I'm the one that blocked the road for. It's me that wait. He said, Oga said, nobody go past. Do you understand? You see, that's the level that we have to come to to be safe. I get what I'm saying. Eve entered into conversation and found out that the serpent made sense. If you enter into conversation with the devil, he will make sense. You are not called to enter into conversation with him. You are called to trust your God and obey him. That settles it. He said you have not yet resisted unto bloodshed, striving against disobeying God. That's it. Because you know why? That's the only danger that you face, really. The shame can't hurt you. The Lord says, while the earth remains, what? See, time. Everything the Christian suffers for righteousness sake, or that is not his doing, there is a reward for it. The only thing you're called as a Christian to resist, even to blush it, is disobedience. Now, do you know why things come your way? To push you to disobedience. What was Satan's interest in Job's life? So that Job would disobey God. He wasn't looking for Job's money. He wasn't looking for Job's children. He wasn't looking for anything. He just wanted to get Job to a point where Job would disobey God. And that's the same place the Bible is saying, if that is the case, resist unto bloodshed. That's the only fight. That's the only thing in contention. Because when I trust God, he's seen what I'm going through. Praise the Lord. He knows what I'm going through. And he knows what he told me to do. So he knows when to intervene. He knows when to rise up for me. Furthermore, let's go to Romans 8, 35 as we, you know, the same scripture there now coming in a different way. Romans 8, 35. So in this Hebrews 12, we see that the shame, he said, don't worry. Just don't count, don't take it internally. Don't take it inside. The cross, he said, don't, don't allow the hurt and the pain. Don't take it in too much. In Romans 8, 35, what does it say? It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now look at all the things listed there. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. It says as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. It says yet what? In all these things we are more than through him who loved us. It says for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know this statement did not mention sin or disobedience? The only thing that can separate you, just like the love triangle that dad taught us, that can separate us, the, our only danger is sin. And that's why the enemy is making it not a big deal in the church. The thing that everybody will try to downplay is the matter that is the most important. They taught us, you know, for those who did Bible school, the principle of first mention. What caused the number one problem in the world? Disobedience. What remains the number one problem? Disobedience. What should be the number one concern? Make sure that you don't disobey. If I have to go naked, I will not disobey. If I have to be poor, I will not disobey. If I have not to marry, I will not, whatever it is, I will not disobey because I know that is it. The Bible said when Satan came against Job, after he did all he did, what was he watching for? He was watching for Job to sin against God. He said in all these things, Job did not sin. That's how he failed. 
Why? Because the scripture says, who shall separate us? Suffering is not separate us. Suffering doesn't mean you're disconnected from God. It doesn't. Death doesn't mean you're disconnected from God. In fact, let me tell you something. Thank God this is kingdom case. The Spirit of God said, look at that scripture. I think it's in Corinthians 15. It said, death is sleep for the righteous. The person that has problem with death is the person in sin. The righteous dies, Satan has lost. Are you with me? It says the sting of death. What is sting? If they bring scorpion and re remove the sting, you know what it becomes? Toy. It becomes cockroach. The sting of death is what? That's what it is. So sin is the problem before, is the problem now, is the problem all the time. And all the things that are happening is to push the people of God into a place of sin. So that they can be accused and be disconnected from the Father who has loved you. But somebody say, I know better. Somebody say, I know better. Somebody say, I know better. Praise the Lord. So as we round up, I will take a prayer. Psalm 46, you can rise on your feet. Psalm 46 verse 10. You know, just calm your heart. You can say to yourself, calm, calm. Calm down. It says what? Be still and know that I am, am God. And I'll be exalted. Don't worry about the time. Don't worry about the second. Don't worry about the moment. God has a plan. His glory will be seen. No matter what it is, personally, corporately, individually, be still and know that I am God. The children of the Hebrew children say that, the, that there is a God in heaven who rules. You see, when you have a situation and you remember God and you are afraid, that's when there's trouble. When you're quarreling with someone and the person invokes God and you lose sleep, make peace. Are you getting what I'm saying? Tonight we're saying to ourselves and to our circumstances and to experiences as a church, we know that you are God and we are being still. <laughs> we are taking the place of stillness because you are God. Let's begin to declare that. My finances, is it embarrassing? Are you, are you struggling? Tell yourself, I know you are God. <laughs> is it an infirmity in your body? I say there is a God. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord that heals. There is a God that is a vindicator. He's a righteous judge. The psalmist said, be still, be still, be still, be still. He said, like a wind child, I've quieted my soul within me. I know there is God. You can leave this church tonight and walk in peace and go home in peace because there is God in heaven. Man does not have the final say. The pain you're feeling is not an allocation that is permanent. He said the things that concern me are Lord Jesus Christ. He said they have an end. I'm telling you the travails that you're going through, they have an end. The lies, the accusations, the misunderstandings, the struggles, all of them, they have an end. Be still and know that Jehovah is God. He says he will be exalted. He will be exalted among the nations. People shall yet gather and glorify your God for you, for you, for you, for you. God shall yet receive glory. He shall yet be a defender. 
he shall yet be a vindicator he shall yet be a rewarder he shall yet be your confirmation he shall yet say this is my son for 30 years like uh, pastor tony told us they were wondering jesus jesus but we saw him on the day of his baptism where the lord said behold this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased a day is coming where people will surround you and say we knew something was different because your god is being exalted over him it happened for pharaoh it happened for daniel it happened for the saints of god in old it will yet happen for you ah, begin to pray for yourself quiet your soul say to your soul be calm shut down every spirit of anxiety every wandering thought every suggestion of the enemy you are God 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 why are you cast down the psalmist said oh my soul he said put your hope in God why are you worried why are you weary why are you harassed why are you agitated put your hope in God be still be still people of God be still for God is in heaven our God is in heaven he rules and reigns over the earth he shall be exalted in the lives of his sons and daughters in the lives of his children he shall be exalted in the finances of his people in the lives of his people in the health of his people in the relationship of his people he shall be exalted be still and know we worship you we worship you we worship you we worship you yes you are the lord You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashankari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.